You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob O'Sell. I'm an architect at this.labs. Today, we're very excited to sit down and talk about becoming AI-powered developers with Jerome Hardaway. Jerome is a senior software engineer at Microsoft, a director of Vetsu Code, and honestly, so many more. An instructor, a father, uh, a Twitter influencer. I don't know what to call you, but certainly a fun Twitter follow anyways. Uh, Jerome, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? I try not to be on Twitter as much these days. I'm more on LinkedIn than Twitter. Uh, That's a smart play, honestly. I'm, I'm really starting to see the advantages of that these days. I mean, you know... I'm, Primarily, my focus is on the craft of work, so it makes sense for me to be over there because that's what I really care about, right? I don't, um, I'm not in a fan of the uh, framework wars that, in my opinion, have been over for like three, four years, but people are still, you know, this framework versus this framework, and I'm like, okay, this is not a good use of anyone's time, and this is a conversation that was cool in 2018, but you know, now. We have kids and stuff and that are coming after us and we need to be raising them in the JavaScript uh, community, in the tech community, period, to you know be better than how we were when we when you know all the frameworks first dropped. So like that's my uh, that's my take on it. So I just focus on all right, let me focus on producing things, adding adding value versus, you know, just partaking in the, you know, JavaScript rage of the day. Amen. Well, we'll jump right back into this conversation, but first, let's first say thank you to our first sponsor today, and that is CircleCI. CircleCI is the leading continuous integration and delivery platform for software innovation at scale. With intelligent automation and delivery tools, CircleCI is used by the world's best engineering teams to radically reduce the time from idea to execution and deliver quality code with confidence. Our platform is optimized for developer productivity, speed, and confidence. The company has been recognized as an innovative leader in cloud-native continuous integration by independent research firms and industry awards like the Devi's, Forbes Best Startup Employers of the Year, and Deloitte Technologies Fast 500. So thank you, CircleCI. Now, jumping back into it, I think you know we are going to be talking about AI, but first, I would be remiss to not sort of talk to you about um, your time with Vets Who Code, which is such a an amazing project uh, that you work on. And I know it takes up a tremendous amount of your time. But what I'm curious about off the top is, in your experience and in your time working with um, these vets and helping them get into the coding industry, what have you kind of learned about our industry, about being a junior developer and just code education in general? I'm curious about this because I know like with us, we've been hiring people that are coming from code as a second career and I have been blown away by how overlooked this community is, how amazing these people are. They come to you with a full set of skills and you just need to teach them to code. It's like, I almost hate telling people this because I'm like, please leave these people on the job market for me. But what, what have you <laughs> learned about kind of our industry, about being a junior developer, just code education in general through your experiences working with Vetsu Code? Um, well, it's a lot better than when we started. When you think, you know, I started this in 2014 when really the only two ways to become an engineer was go to college or, you know, through sheer luck of will, uh, 
some random person taking an interest in you and train and helping you learn how to code to love where you can, you know, be professional and then somebody taking a shot at you at a job. Right. So now in 2023, it's a lot more manicured in the process where, you know, we, you know, coming as a second career software engineer myself, uh, it's a lot, um, there's a lot more trust out there on the, um, process and, uh, especially one of the most places I've, I've still seen one or two pockets in the nation where um, people are like, oh, I don't want to hire bootcamp grads or I don't want to hire self-taught engineers, things like that. But um, there's a lot more trust now. But as a problem with the trust, you know, not all of the education is the same, which is um, what I am noticing. There are, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some organizations, some boot camps that aren't giving out the same quality. And I always tell uh, my civilian counterparts, uh, you know, unless it's a big boot camp in your hometown, I would try to uh, go for one of the more prestigious ones. Cause in the end, I honestly feel like most of the stuff now you can learn online for free. I think, you know, from back in my day, the documentation was trash and now the documentation is so good. Um, I'm like, you can just go to javascript.info and the MDN and learn and the, and react docs and learn everything you can in, in JavaScript in like six to nine months for free before, you know, you even think about like a paid uh, resource. Right. So that's one thing that I like, I see that, you know, as well as the information has gotten, some of the programs aren't catching up to help to the level of free information. And as a result, it's hurting some people. And also this current hiring market is more so because of the free information that's out there that we know about, we understand um, it's changed, right? A lot of people think that it's harder when in reality it's different, just like, you know, before the poor react and no, before note dropped, all you really needed to know is, you know, CSS, HTML, and some jQuery. No change that whole game, right? Did the market get hard? No, it just got different. A lot of people don't use jQuery. jQuery isn't a, oh, I lost it. light, my bad. But uh, jQuery isn't a prerequisite to, uh, to learning as much as it used to be. Right? So now, I mean, how many jobs have you even seen that ask for jQuery? But um, now, you know, it's the same thing, right? There's so much free stuff. So they're asking for things based upon what they're seeing out there in the wild for free. They're asking for the things they're seeing in resources. So people have to adapt and we have to adapt as those who are more senior to helping those who are junior see the, you know, the resources that are out there. Um, yeah, but that that's really on a twofold, like on a, I guess, threefold, like, point where i'm seeing the community right now you know and you, you just touched on this and i think this is interesting because i was at a, a local meetup and was speaking to someone coincidentally happened to be a veteran but went through a different code uh, boot camp and he was asking kind of what advice you know he was there networking so i mean he was following uh, you know advice number one which is get out there and meet people in your community but you know he was really kind of asking like you know what is what should be my path? Like, what, what do you, you know, what recommendations do you have? Like, obviously this year is a different environment than a couple years ago. Um, you know, it was, you know, a very 
favorable job market was still difficult for juniors, but like it was much more favorable, maybe much less competitive than it is now. Are you changing at all about how you're approaching instruction or what you're telling people to focus on as you're preparing them to go into this job market? Or, or are the lessons that you've been teaching them kind of somewhat timeless, but you just sort of shifted a little bit based on what, you know, what is kind of the in, in vogue sort of skills at that time? Um, I haven't shifted in the what what I'm teaching people. I have shifted in the amount of product of production that I'm having people do. Right? I tell people, um, you know, usually to get on average, it takes about three months to get to whatever is the median income in your region. Right? So once you add like ten thousand um, dollars to extra ten thousand dollars or more, that you got to add another month. Right? And as a result, if you do not come from a path that is structured like um, college, you need to show that what you know that the degree would stand for um, via your output. And that's one thing that I, you know, I keep pushing on people like, um, hey, all right, you understand algorithms and you understand APIs, but I'm not seeing that reflected on your portfolio. You know, your portfolio is the project because that's the number one selling point for you. I try to tell people, you know, don't put anything in your portfolio that isn't live. I don't care what it is, right? Because um, they're going to be like, oh, okay, you showed me an iframe or you showed me a screenshot, but I don't see anything. Uh, I'm like, okay, for every project you do put on your portfolio, you need to scope out the design strategy of how you got to this end um, product, right? I have one of my, uh, one of my, uh, one of my former mentees, she did that and she ended up getting a job. Uh, they wanted her so bad that when the initial HR people um, got resumes for the job, because they put her resume in the trash pile because the lady couldn't pronounce her name this and then the people they were hiring asked me like didn't you have someone whose uh website that you sent that you sent us so like oh yeah and then they went back and asked the hr person like yo where's this person's resume and they had to spend them took them two days to find this person's resume so and, and now and that person's been at that job for like two two and a half years now um so that's what I've really been pushing is, you know, you have to be, you have to work smarter and harder now and be much more verbose. Uh, the whole idea of using your portfolio as a way to show little projects is, has been dead, but people haven't really noticed that. I'm like, the portfolio is the project. You need to add your own blog component to the portfolio. Okay, you know how to use GitHub. Why are you not using GitHub API to pull in your repos? Okay, there is, like, there's a section on GitHub that shows, like, your start repos. I'm pretty sure you can pull that in through the API. You can pull in your most, um, you can pull in your repos through the API. You should be doing that. Okay, I go to your GitHub profile. Your GitHub profile readme is non-existent or it's bare bones okay you're a junior i expect you to know all the new stuff that's out there because that's where you're starting it you're starting from the beginning so anything that's you know new and hot to me uh should be old oh hat to you right that's one of the things that gave us an advantage when we were coming up when we were all learning react and stuff when it was brand new and it was easier to hire all the react and angular um devs all the new kids on the block Versus, you know, going and making somebody that's been doing jQuery for 20 years and doesn't really want to learn the new stuff, learning, like, all right, we put him in an engineer managing track and, you know, bring in the new kid that he can manage, right? Because he knows the product better than the new kid, but the new kid knows the new, uh, the, the new stuff uh, better than, you know, the uh, 
the uh, de the developer that we've had for longer, right? So that's one of the things that we, you know, showcase how to use uh, GitHub projects to showcase your work, right? Like you need to be able to tell your story as easy as possible and as verbose as possible now, right? So that's one thing that I'm really pushing on people. Like, all right, I go to your GitHub. I don't see a good, I don't see a GitHub profile readme. I don't see uh, GitHub projects that you can show me um, your growth and what you've been learning or you've been implementing things. I don't see manicured uh, readmes on the projects that you are trying to showcase me. All this stuff looks like rookie stuff. It's not professional, right? Yeah. Like and that's the thing you're not showing you there's, two phases in getting a job without a code, right? Yeah, it's learning how to code and learning how to code professionally, right? And learning how to code professionally is different from learning how to code. Like, okay, you can solve something, but can you solve something in a manner that would be um, readable, would be, um, uh, would be uh, concise, would be reusable, right? Is there a way, like, do you create things in a manner to where I can just read what you've done and then I can start working on it, right? That is professional coding, right? So that's what we have to start pushing and showcasing people. It's not knowing how to code, it's knowing how to code professionally, and there's a big difference between the two. It's it, it's such a good point. I mean, I've, you know, in the hiring that I've done, I mean, every place hires differently, but um, in the projects that I've seen, the ones that really stand out to me are the ones that did at least something really well. I think the projects that were the most forgettable and the least impressive are the ones that did a lot of stuff, but did it all pretty mid. Um, yes. You know, it's like if somebody, you know, maybe somebody had an average project or, you know, maybe it had a bunch of coding errors, but wow, the readme was so complete and explained why they made the decisions. Or maybe another person, like the CSS was just structured beautifully. There were other issues, but like that just showed, I feel like sometimes people don't realize both um, that like how little something can be to give that, that signal of potential that will entice someone to bring you in for an interview. But at the same time, like you're saying, if you just shotgun a bunch of half finished things, you'd be surprised how many small things can become red flags. I mean, I've talked to people who within 10 minutes of talking to them, I was like, this is a person we're hiring within 30 minutes of talking to them, I was, they had talked their way out of it again. And it was like, <laughs> you know, that's not to scare people, but it's to show that both it can, you know, if you focus on things you really impressive, just at least one thing that you do that you put a lot of attention into that really will catch somebody that can oftentimes be enough. But if you put too much stuff out there, you're giving people too many opportunities to find things that bother them and that, that create doubts. And so it's like, you know, hone, like you said, hone down, like, make everything earn that's its one place in your resume. That's one of the things I'm really trying to focus on my with my, with my troops is like, hey, there is a difference between um, learning projects and showcasing projects, right? Like, okay, the JavaScript calculator, unless your JavaScript calculator is solving like the meaning of happiness, don't put it on your portfolio. Um, use what you learn in JavaScript uh, Calculator to make your portfolio better or another project. That is a learning project. That's not a showcase project. That's a little piddly thing to teach you how to do a thing. But this is, this is to show you how to do a thing, and now you add it here, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I'm showcasing. I'm really having them 
I'm really been focusing on having them see themselves as the product. I'm like, this is why my, my approach to portfolios is so much like different to other people's. Like, I don't believe that you should have your portfolio that talks about you and then three random projects that have absolutely nothing to do with you that you, you know, try to do showcase your skill. You're the product. You like cooking. Why not implement, you know, a chat bot that takes, uh, you know, the ingredients you put into it and like the amount of ingredients put into it and, and make a recipe out of it, right? Like, why not do that? Or, hey, you know, you're a painter. How can you talk to me about how your opinions with AI and, you know, painting in general and how you feel about it in regards to being reused, especially like, you know, you have the, I believe it's the book of nine that talks about how Microsoft uh, used a bunch of Rembrandt's art to recreate a new Rembrandt um, piece. Like, I'm like, I want to talk. I mean, I, those are the things, you know, share your opinions on that. Let me know that you're keeping mm -hmm. up with things, right? Like if I see another project, I mean, if I see the same portfolio or same blog post about the same basic things, I'm like, okay, you're not, you're just doing what you've seen replicated. You're not doing, you know, new growth, right? So now is a is a very it's a very unique time in tech right now where you need to be focusing on you know thinking becoming a thinking man more than uh or a thinking person i don't want to uh, offend anyone uh versus just doing and yeah. but taking that uh thinking into and leveraging as doing i think of it more as like you know it's closer to combat sports to boxing than it's ever been where you know to people in the naked eye they all only see you know you playing with things but then those who are you know watching have been you know fans of the sport for so long they see the nuance of what you're doing and that's what's happening people aren't really looking at you know where are those what's that little inch that little half inch that's gonna set me apart from everyone right i knew for me my writing set me apart from everyone and my you know weird ability to be able to like forecast what was going to be the next thing that actually mattered versus what was going to be the next thing that was popular right like while everybody was over there talking about bitcoin and cryptocurrency i was on the ai train like well before that like i was like i'm that's not no one's going to care about that but these businesses they're going to care about this stuff because like this is going to help them save money it's going to like shake up the economy you know it's going to make one it's going to be one halfway decent developer given the firepower of four like that's going to you know it's going to change the market right so that's where i started focusing on right and that is how you know i want people like to start thinking like what is your what's your mind map on you know how are you going to improve your career or how are you going to showcase your improvement your career your incremental like step-by-step -step improvement so those are that's really all that's changed for me though when it comes to teaching or showing people new things. All right. Well, we'll jump right back into this conversation. But first, here's a brief word from our second sponsor today, This.Labs. This.Labs is a development consultancy that specializes in application development and upgrading legacy systems. They've been trusted by companies like PlayStation, Capital One, Herman Miller, PayPal, and T-Mobile. Facing challenges with legacy systems in need to modernize, This.Labs has experience in enterprise migrations and upgrades, providing a detailed roadmap for modernizing your software solutions. Their engineering leaders are industry veterans with a deep understanding of modern technologies and best practices. Learn more about how this.labs can help you achieve your tech goals at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. All right. 
back to our show. So recently, Jerome, you wrote a, 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 a blog, which was really interesting to me. And you said that Vets Who Code is becoming an AI-powered nonprofit. And I, I love this blog for what it means. And I think it's such a key to the second half of our conversation here. And that is, what does this idea even mean to you? Like, what would it mean for a company to say that they're an AI-powered company or to be an AI-powered nonprofit? What, how is that a competitive advantage in your eyes? Um, well, the, my pride and joy of Vetsuko has always been the amount of money we raise pales in comparison to the amount of money we put into the U.S. economy, right? Well, there was a time where we were raising um, $7,000 a year, but we were, we were put out 32 engineers and they were all, we have a hundred percent, right? So if you're thinking of 32 engineers at median income, 65,000 of junior developers, that's, you know, essentially we were making, leveraging technology and remote, um, remote technologies and remote teaching earlier than everybody else. We were making, you know, almost a million dollars in engineer engineering talent off of 7,000. So we're making, you know, pennies on a dollar, like life-changing um, talent, right? So now what we, what we think about is uh, with Vetsu Code, like right now it's myself and Ayumi. We are the two main people that do most work at Vetsu Code. And she's a contractor and she's super talented, right? So my thought process was, what if I give somebody who is, you know, you know, super like on fire we call them um <laughs> crap hot in the air force but not with crap I'm trying to keep it pg-13 here um but we call we call that type of talent and then you're like all right let me give that person rocket boosters let me give that person superpowers right then, like what is tony stark with the arm in suit right he's iron man, <laughs> yeah right yeah he's i mean but he's still a formidable like uh intellect when it comes to not having a suit on right but so that's my thought, like, okay, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm a pretty capable person, especially in the realms of things that I care about. So, all right, what happens when you give me uh, firepower and then you help me, I start automating things and leveraging APIs mm -hmm. to do things and, you know, already setting the tone, uh, set, helps me set the tone and makes me give the output of like four or five people, like four Jeromes. And the same thing with Ayumi, what can we do with like four Ayumis, right? Can we focus on one thing for like four hours and do 12 hours worth of work? And the answer was yes. And it was like, okay, so let's start doing that way. I can invest more time in one-on-ones with the students, one-on-ones uh, -on with the mentors, more time in like in the community and more time um, actually cultivating the talent versus doing the things that I do over and over again, right? Like the number one problem with talented people is that they have to replicate, they have to do all the work, right? And then they have to find people who might have one talent here or one talent there that, you know, that one piece of them that they can keep doing. Well, what happens if you use um, artificial intelligence and automate all the, you know, mundane parts that you're good at so you can focus on the other stuff that you're good at that you can't automate, right? I can't automate the human connection, but I can automate, you know, my lesson plans and I can automate, um, use leverage AI to make my writing cleaner. Like, okay, if I write something, I try to write everything at a seventh grade level, but let's say if I start writing things, I'm like, okay, this is too advanced. I know that most of America reads at a seventh grade level and I want my work to be accessible as possible because that's how I feel like that's my winning you know, strategy is I want my, I, I want 
uh, to be the person that can explain, you know, something like linear regression to a five-year-old, right? That's cool to me. Being able to not be a jerk and, and while being smart is cool, right? So that's one thing I'm always using AI for. Like, hey, can you break this down into so I'm, you know, not sounding like Professor Oglesby and I, or that I, you know, wear a tweed jacket with like leather elbow covers and smoke a pipe or something like that, right? So like that's one of the things that I am always doing. Like, how do I make you know? Same way with AI power. Like, I write the I write the blog and I already have a process to automate making sure that it's approachable to people regardless where they are. Everything that I write, I make sure I'm looking for errors, I make sure I'm looking for approach and things like that. And, and all in my AI tools, they really help me with that because in the end of the day, you know, I want to, I leverage AI to make hard things approachable. That's my job, right? My job is to learn the hard things and then make it approachable to you the uh you know the consumer of it so that you can shift from being a consumer to a, produ to a producer in the end if i can't make you the consumer shift to being a producer then i have failed so and that's what i you know that's why you know vesico has come ai powered there are so many moving parts now that are you know leveraging ai or being you know co-piloted with ai with the user that is like you know it's it's a lot less stressful to say the least because it's so much more difficult to like ask people to like hey i need volunteers and stuff but because you know i'm a volunteer in mexico i only um per just because of the bylaws i make one dollar a year so that way when we move to a full-time executive director that person will one day be get a salary but <laughs> um I also have stick again. This is like I tell people this is my unofficial first child. Like it's best of <laughs> code. So uh one day it's gonna grow up. It's already almost ten and it's starting to, you know, like girls and be a jerk. So uh <laughs> I'm uh, like, okay, one day I'll be too old to be the, you know, you know, the you know, fast training person. There'll be need to be a person in a student chair full time. So that is, you know, what I'm focused on with AI. I don't really have to be as dependent on having volunteers to do the unfun parts versus the fun parts. Mentors love coming in pairing with juniors or newbies. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I can create these protocols so that the mentors can pair more with the juniors. Uh, I They love the Slack side chats. Like I'm trying to bring people in that, you know, will help that the you know troops will love you know i've brought in i've had ken wheeler i've had um man i've had so many people i've had scott hanselman ken wheeler i've had lee robinson i've had so uh, adi Alsani. he's actually on my board now I've had so many talented people come in you know like people love that so i you know i focus i can focus on that part more than focusing on okay i need this bug fix because nobody wants to fix the bugs because that's too much light work right so or i can uh for instance i can convert i can write the bug uh, fully scope out the bug and then write the at uh the ats format for how to put it on your resume and when the newbies see that and how i can make it sound really good on the resume and pass the ATC the ATS format, those automated like systems that the HR companies use, they're, you know, they're running to the books now. Like, yo, or they're running to the tickets because like, hey, that sounds good. I don't know what that meant, but it looks as provocative. I want that. So <laughs> like they're adding that. So that's where, you know, being powered by uh, using power to AI is like I could focus more on the human and then make the computer do things more human centric. So it's one of those reasons why I feel like 
developers are looking at AI, especially JavaScript engineers, are looking at AI the wrong way because of the framework wars. We had to stop thinking so much about the person and the user and more about the framework or the framework and expertise in the framework became the customer. And now we have to get back into the person become more human centric. So what I'm seeing is a lot of people that are coming from philosophy um, majors and UX designers, they're doing great with AI. It's the JavaScript engineers or the people who have only looked at the frameworks. Um, they're in a little bit of a mad scramble, a little bit more afraid. Me, I'm not because I've always, I come from a career field in the military that was more human centric. So I like, so I've never really lost that. And now, you know, this is just an addition. And so how do I make the things that I have um, that I'm using more human centric? So what I like about that and, and the vision that you laid out is that unlike a lot of AI posts that you see from people when they say how AI will revolutionize my industry, there's really nothing in what you wrote that speaks to technology that hasn't yet been built, um, or at least in some form. I mean, you're pointing ex ex explicitly to certain tools, copy AI and, you know, I don't know, Canva and other ones that are out there. There's numerous ones out there that are really being um, sort of utility magnifiers, right? They're like effort magnifiers. They're tools truly that you're using to make multiple of you be effective, to, to automate the things that are that are bad. And what I love about that is that it's really focused on, hey, there's this amazing technology and this is how I'm using it to, to do things I could not possibly do with the time I have with all the other things that I'm working on. And Thank you. to me, like <laughs> nobody's talking about that. Like a lot of people are, are focusing a, a lot on whether AI is going to replace us or whether it's a fad and I think that's why even people maybe are skeptical at this point in our conversation. Like, am I really about to sit through another conversation about AI? So you I, kind of touched on it just now, but you want to go a little bit more into like why people are just looking at the wrong thing in this conversation? Oh, simple. Uh, with the addition of Copilot and because like, because of all these, these AI tools, I was able to raise for raise and earn for Vetsu Co. Um, in the now this is of course the three weeks around forty thousand dollars so just because of the tools that i have acquired and the understandings of them and leveraging them to do work that i like that i have to do and being able to you know write my ideas down and have the ai curate and have the ai slideshow slide decks and things of that nature and the readings and things of that nature it tells them the three weeks an extra forty thousand dollars for rest of the code so it's like okay why especially if you're a second most people that you know that are second career devs it's pretty much because of the money is good in this industry right i you know it's yep. like oh i came out the military and they're like you know be a cop for forty five thousand have everybody hate you or become like a be a computer per be a computer person is what they said and like have seventy thousand dollars and you know have nobody wanting to shoot you i was like i'll take option b thank you nice hello like i can sit yeah. in air conditioning the amount of people that hate me or the amount of bosses i have is coming down to my teenagers and my wife and like you know it's pretty you know it's pretty awesome compared to an old hair so that is the number one thing. Like, if you're the longer you're a uh, skeptic with AI, because first and foremost, AI isn't like cryptocurrency. AI has been around for people have been working on these processes and things for 70, 80 years. It's just now become um, consumer friendly for the past 
three, four years, right? So that's the biggest, just because it's sound, everybody's talking about it now, doesn't make it new, right? Like, you know, our cell phones with touchscreens or, you know, touchscreens were invented in the 80s. Like the Navy was using touchscreens. And then when it became uh, easier to give it to consumers, that's when we got it. So that's one of those things where like, hey, don't think of it in the way that, oh, it's the new hotness. Like, no, it's just now consumer friendly. Same with Postgres, yeah. like DARPA, uh, gave DARPA funded Postgres and you know now it's on one of the friendliest open source uh, database protocols you can have right so that's one of the things that I'm always trying to educate people on but you know we you have to talk about things in a practical manner I'm like hey this amplified me to be able to make more money so that I could serve more people and I can add more tools to the tool chest so if you uh, want so I can you know and it also gave me time back Right. So I didn't lose out on uh, going to uh, baby like what's those so going to play dates. I was like, what's that call when you're there? <laughs> yeah, but exactly. You're only there for the babies, play dates, birthdays, date nights, going to see like helping my kids learn how to drive, playing video games. I still I'm still able to catch up on modern warfare with the teens. Like I'm able to do all that stuff because of AI. I'm still able to work, write code. Um, learn better about code that I'm writing because that's one big thing that I'm using AI for is when I'm going to a new language, how to understand the code that I'm writing if it's a newer language for me. So, you know, for instance, I've been doing a lot of Python work, but I come from a JavaScript um, background. So I'm doing, all right, how would you, I do this in JavaScript. How do I do this in Python? How to explain this on just Python? What is this library called? Let me research this library more. Okay, I like how this library is. Now let me go and you know write more about this, right? So that's how I've been leveraging it. Like, or you know, when I just fit, I passed my excuse me, I passed my uh, Azure AI exam, right? I wanted to learn, go deeper, right? I was like, okay, comes machine learning. What is supervised machine learning? What is unsupervised? What's reinforcement learning? What's um, like some ML algorithms, like, okay, so we have linear regression, multilinear regression, uh, logistic reg regression, what are those? How do I apply that to a JavaScript engineer's background? Uh, what are the best like frameworks for that? Like, how do I have, uh, like, you know, there's a re re regression JS uh, for Node, right? And it helps with you making linear regression, uh, implementing linear regression in JavaScript and TypeScript, right? So those are things that, you know, I've been using AI for like, how do I, you know, how do I make AI better and uh, use it, you know, in a better way for, you know, a language I want to use such as JavaScript TS. Cause you know, especially as a JavaScript engineer, you only hear about the Python stuff. You don't hear how you can use it as a yeah. TypeScript JavaScript person. Right. And then, you know, no one's telling you that, Hey, you should, now all that boring JavaScript computer science stuff that they were teaching, now there's application for it. And you can learn <laughs> like, oh, the data stuff. Remember when we were all learning Canvas and like how like intensive right. Canvas yeah. was and how annoying it was? Now you have something that, you know, learning canvas can help you like can you know translate to you. Like it's amazing. Like I remember in 2014 they had everybody learning Canvas so they could, you know be dealing with data intensive like stuff and it, like we all hated it i don't know if you hated it but i loathed it and <laughs> now <laughs> it's there right and it's the same way with uh 
you know, learning the cloud services, cloud AI services, right? Like pick a cloud AI service, stick to it. Like there's three big ones. You got cloud, you got Google, you got Amazon, you got Azure. I'm sticking with Azure simply because it's closer to open AI and, you know, it pays the bills. So there you go. And <laughs> go. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's it. Like it wasn't hard to switch for me. It's like with JavaScript, like, you know, framework to use. Oh, I'm using Next.js. So I'm using Vercel. Like I have, I love, I know I get to that. I'll end the point in my career where I know what tool I'm going to use or what thing automatically. So for sure. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, understand, and you know, what we really don't understand is that people still use the web, even on apps. It's just a web. People are using the wrappers of web workers and stuff. Right. So you really need to understand how to leverage these APIs and, you know, it's beginning with the most basic ones like cognitive service APIs, right. Which are built into the browsers, a lot of these browsers and leverage them like, all right, speech to text. Google has a very easy speech to text API, right? All right, now what I wanted you to do is based upon your application or the important question that someone asks. Let's say I create a chat bot, there's speech to text, person's talking to it. Now I have highlighted on keywords, right? So I have keyword selection. And if it's not this list of keywords that I've implemented into my project, and now when people say a keyword, it brings up, you know, a frequently asked question in correlation to that keyword, right? Like, oh, somebody's asking for my resume uh, on my chat bot. I can be like, oh, yeah, here's a, a cop, here's a link to my resume here right now. Or ask me, you know, what was your experience learning? Oh, I see experience. Here's like, I, here's a blurb about my experience pops up right there after they ask that question, right? That is the process, especially when you come to newer uh, engineers these are the things that you should be like playing with because the web is still the number one um, user, the number one interface for people when it comes to these technologies. So that's what I would, that's how I would play this game. And I'm just yeah, really- I want to dig into that part deeper actually for a second, because that's, that's the part that I think I get overwhelmed with a little bit here, which is to say that like every day you can watch another video or read another thing or, or just search and find another AI tool you know, mid first it was chat GPT and then it was mid journey. And then it's this, that, and the other thing. And then it's now tools that aggregate these different things together. And at the same time, you're like, yeah, well, there's the machine learning and the model building that goes underneath it. I loved the article from, uh, Sean Wang or Swix, uh, the, you know, the sort of the rise of the AI engineer. And he sort of said that there's like different classes in this sort of new, I mean, it's not new, but at least as we're conceptualizing it, it's new. That you know there is the machine learning, the people that will learn to build the models that need all that intense data knowledge and 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 how to do the math and stuff that underpins that. And then there's people that know how to use the AI tools to integrate them to provide utilities and other people. Do you agree that there's separation there? And and if you were talking to somebody, maybe that's not a junior, but maybe something that's somebody's been an engineer for a lot of years and they're now just sort of starting to 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 audit this this area. Should they focus in one? Do you think that they should? try to get a smack of a lot of it or like how do you how do you give someone advice if they're a senior engineer now but they just aren't into it that far yet like on how they should approach using and, and, and adding this capability to their tool set i can definitely i can just go off of how i did it as a person you know that would be great. i've been in tech <laughs> Uh, since 2014 right so how i implemented it is i you know started 
I start from low level or high level, right? I start from doing simple things and then seeing first, seeing how it can help me and seeing how I can use to help others, right? So my first tool that I started playing with early on was when I had, I was given beta access to Copilot X and I was helping give them feedback for that. And they also, you know, uh, there's a Copilot for PRs, Copilot CLI, there's a a bunch of co-pilots out there. GitHub has GitHub and Microsoft have a thousand co-pilots ready for uh, consumption. So I started with that, seeing how it can you know impact how fast I could help people, especially with you know the language that is most trained on being JavaScript and TypeScript, uh, because that's all you know everybody's using it. And when you go to GitHub, it's still it's most popular language. So they've been trained on all the open source most popular language stuff. Um, now going in that is like, all right, how do I use this to help people? And my first, um, my first opportunity for that was using a uh, service which in Google's uh, APIs, which was speech to text. So I made a chat bot in speech to text. Uh, then I had to use what I learned to make a make the same thing with Node and TypeScript on Azure. Right, and for a company that we were working with in Microsoft, so now that we've uh, that we've shifted that understanding to uh, from things, then I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand how it plays at this level. Let me do it at a larger level. Okay, how do I integrate it into these services? Right now, how do I take my API key, integrate it, build another thing, build a more ro robust thing? And I just kept going, you know, deeper and deeper. But you know. I think the the thing is people think that they need to be experts. Well, I know, I mean, you just have to start and then start small, like keep, like build a thing, right? It's not that hard to like, you have a website right now that if you look at use cases for AI, there's probably something you can improve immediately in AI, right? Like you could take every, like you could take, you know, Jason uh, Lorgenstrup, he has a small, um, bio a medium size bio and a bio that's like the size of a you know bible scripture uh so like okay how do i you know can hey copy ai can you make three different size bios for me based on all this information all this garbage i'm gonna give you right so bam right or how do i you know job scan io right they have a lot of tools to help you with making your resume um uh, ats acceptable right so you go maybe you can go into ai and like all right what what does make a um job into uh what would make this into an ats acceptable like blurb on my resume or uh you have a goal let's say you want to eat healthier okay so we know that the most successful way to eat healthier is uh the most successful method of learning anything is using the smart goal method right s-m-a-r-t so now you go to all right chat gpt i want to eat better how would i do that using the smart goal method right or to you know then we go, it goes to that, or how do I do these things that I've had on my uh, resume and put it in the star method? How do I make it, now that I've done the star method, how do I make it ATS accessible, right? So these are all things that you can start with. Now, how do we automate these things? Because that's my number one thing. It's like, okay, if I'm gonna be helping almost a, a thousand people a year in like in, by 2027, I need to figure out how to automate this stuff. So the troop will, 
just throw their resume into fame and they all do, oh, let's do the implement star method. And now let's make it ATS accessible. Now let's make it grammatically correct, right? Now let's, you know, handle how it will look, right? They need to be able to do all that thing. So now that's the next level I'm working on. Like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I need to build. And this is what I need to be, this is what I need to be pushing, right? So, and, and that's the thing. Like, as long as you're thinking of it from, I feel like, thing with AI is everybody's using all the big words and no one's looking at, you know, their life and how it can impact them. And that I, that's one of the best parts about that to code for me is that I can see something that I like and then be like, like, that's the number one thing that I always ask myself is how will this make the things that I do for people easier for me? Yeah. Right. Like how, do, how would this impact my work-life balance in the end of the day? Will it help me automate things? Will it help me make things, uh, give richer content? Will it help me, be a better person, like, or be a better person serving people, right? Will that improve my processes? So like that, in the end, that helps me uh, be able to, you know, learn things faster. I'm always looking at, all right, how can I, you know, help uh, veteran A over here with their resume better? Or how do I debug uh, veteran B's code uh, easier? Or how do I make, uh, you know, my biggest thing was making the bugs um, easy for the veterans and new newbies to fix while also having the ATS um, accessible uh, format for them so they could just take that blurb, put it on their resume of things they've done at Vets Code. So, mm-hmm. not so that sounds, um, sounds empowering. And uh, those resume screeners will be like, oh, okay, that you know, that's good, right? So, those are the things you know that I've been using it for. I think it's funny because I, I this is at a place where I, I don't know if you agree, but I believe that more junior uh, developers are actually a leg up in this world because they don't have a lot of paradigms that they have to break down. I, I one of the things that was most fascinating to me is I sat down with a team of engineers, all pretty senior, pretty pretty smart people, and I said, uh, "How would us using ChatGPT or whatever else, Copilot or any other of these, these tools, change what we do?" And I went around, and it was crickets. And everybody sort of said, I don't know, maybe it could help with writing some documentation or something like that. And we just, you know, sat there until we finally broke through the, you know, the the sort of discomfort and said, well, what about, because a lot of people think that AI will replace the things that they've chosen to do when it's like, no, oftentimes AI will let you start doing the things you weren't doing because you didn't have time or it wasn't high enough priority. So you don't look at the things that are on your plate. A lot of times you need to look at the things that aren't on your plate that you would love to get done if they could get done easier. And I find that once you show people the capabilities of these tools, I mean, just even ChatGPT 3.5, I wasn't even using the newest one, but the New York Times has this new game that they created where they give you 16 words. And those 16 words have to go into four categories of four where no word is in two categories. And they, you have to find the hidden connections between them. So on a lark, I explained the rules of this game to ChatGPT and gave it 16 words from one of the day's puzzle. And darn if it didn't get four pretty compelling groups of which two and almost three of them of the four were completely correct. And I'm like, (laughs) think about what that just did. It took an arbitrary rule set you gave it, a complicated set of inputs and produced a pretty reliable output. And again, I'm not saying that take that as the solid answer. I'm just saying we don't people don't know until they use it until they start working that muscle what this thing will be able to do for them because at first all they can think to do is say give me five tweets 
give me six blog titles. And it's like, okay, yes, that's, that is a great way to use it. Don't get me wrong. But, but like you, you, you don't even know things. what you can do with it yet. <laughs> like you just yeah. keep trying it and it keeps surprising you. And I think that's like people need to go on that journey uh, until they really get it. Oh, I 100% agree. And people, uh, just I tell people like, you know, try to you know, kick the tires on it, push it to its limits. Like I love asking it hard uh, questions and drill deeper and deeper into a question, especially when it comes to like, you know, to you know, AI and LLMs in general, right? Like, you know, knowing, hey, you know, you, what are, you know, like, okay, how would I use a web worker in AI? How would I implement AI with a web worker? Things like that, right? Or uh, let's talk about WebAssembly. What, how, what's the percentage of websites that are using WebAssembly? And how would I leverage that while learning AI? Things, uh, or how would I do a zero trust policy? Or, or how would I be able to implement AI with uh, data and make it, you know, AI HIPAA uh, quality, right? What would be the things to do that, right? It's super like, all right, here's HIPAA, here's zero trust uh, policies. Now I have these policies that I can implement as I'm building into my own LLM, right? And that stuff is fun, right? It's not crazy, like, it's not. I mean, it's hard, but it's also fun because you're solving real world problems. So I think, you know, that's one of the things that people keep passing. Like, you know, first one was document documentation is a real world problem that can be solved. The AI solves for you automatically, right? But it's going to get better as with everything else, right? I remember, do you remember the React JS days or React V1 versus now? Or yep. like, oh, yeah. remember, you know, we had the difference between Angular. The Angular people don't remember the class Angular syntax. Now. Yeah, people don't remember that. People don't remember how bad Angular 1 was compared to now. And it's so bad that they call Angular 1 Angular JS, and then everything else after, like all the good stuff is called Angular, right? Or, you know, how you know, Ember is, like was, like, you know, it was essentially the React for JavaScript, I mean, the Rails for JavaScript back in the day. But things get you know, infinitely better. And right now, AI is good. So I'm excited to what, you know, it's going to do as it progresses. And I'm also excited to, you know, integrate and build these things into our products, right? Into, into our lives. I have it on my phone. I have it on my watch. Like, I have my even my camera. Like, I don't know if you notice it. Like, it follows me around. <laughs> yes yeah ai right so like i'm not it's you know it's uh it's all it recognizes my face and it just follows my face right like that's a form that's artificial intelligence it's not because i'm not an object that's not ocr so it's just uh you know yeah it is object detection so it's yeah. part of object detection part of face detection so it takes my face and then it sees that i'm moving so i'm essentially a square moving for it and it's you know picking up that object detection so it's super cool um when you think of it like that and i think that's why the ai is not a fad because things can't be fads when they provide utility and when i think they provide that's value exactly right value you're right it, it, is that they they really um people will use it <laughs> you know if, if yeah. i can give you uh some amount of dollars and you can provide more dollars than that in value, I'll use your thing. I'll always use your thing. Why wouldn't I? It'd be silly not to. And I think that's what's spurred this. Now, whether it can keep this momentum in the face of upcoming, you know, regulations and stuff, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we hope that there is uh, I think the regulations is a good thing because it, it will protect, um, it will oh, protect for sure. artists. 
one and uh which i'm very i'm very pro protecting the arts and things like that because if it's not you know science is nothing without arts because if we don't have that thing to actually you know think about wouldn't it be cool if we did this you know we you know the nerds won't go into the lab and try to figure out hey let's do this right you know my biggest uh my the, by the most the person who has motivated me the most is Stan Lee and all he did is write comic books right so um I I'm definitely and plus you know the more we focus we run to regulation the uh least amount of opportunity with them pushing rules we don't want on us like oh let's you know focus on running through regulation and working let's be at this table so I'm very pro um working with regulation and it's gonna I think what's For going sure. to happen is in the next 30 40 years it won't be as buzzworthy, but it won't be not. It won't be as buzzworthy for a different reason. It's going to be so in integrated in our lives that we'll remember it's we'll going to be what it boring. Like. like I remember watching uh, what's what's the show that I was watching? Um, Supernatural, and I remember watching season. I started watching season one. And I was like, everybody has a flip phone. All their phones <laughs> have buttons. This is wild. Like you know, they're fighting demons and vampires and i couldn't stop talking about the phones so <laughs> then when people started having iphones in like season six season seven and i was like oh my god this show went on so long that they transitioned from flip phones to iphones and black they like they literally had flip phones blackberries then the iphone and i was like wow this show's so old like it's been around forever i think there's one last topic that we have to touch on because, you know, developers, we can be our own worst enemies. I swear developers feel like they got to be Rock Lee with the weights on their arms and legs that <laughs> slowing them down. Like, you know, they tell you if, if you're learning a garbage collected language, that's not real coding. If you're using an IDE instead of the command line or instead of Vim, that's not real coding. And you're kind of hearing the first sort of waves of that coming out now where people are saying, hey, if you're learning to code, don't use these tools. Don't use Copilot. Don't use ChatGPT because you're not going to learn as deeply. You're not going to be as valuable. You're not going to be as successful. And honestly, I could not disagree more with this thought personally because I mean, my goodness, the, the, you're teaching people now when they're coding to be more productive than they ever could have been, to be capable of doing more things than they ever could have been. You know, as I said, some of these new editing tools, like video editing tools with the AI support are so amazing. Why would you go to somebody and say, don't use all these amazing editing tools? Instead, go back to Premiere and learn how to do it all yourself first and then use the AI. It's like, no, be productive, ship more videos that look more awesome. So, you know, can you speak, cause I know you work with, with juniors and people that are learning to code with your vets. Can you speak to this idea about whether or not people that are learning have, to code, whether they should use AI tools? I've spoken on this before and I was like, all right. So no one tells you you have to learn how to do a stick shift anymore to drive a car. It's perfectly fine, right? Or, you know, now we all have cars with a uh, backup camera. So like, do you remember how much it sucked before backup cameras? Like, why? I didn't think I'd are... love them that much. I'm so addicted now. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with, with people? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, of course, it's like, just like any tool, it's not what you do with it, it's how you use it, right? Like, okay, let's say, you know, for instance, if you're going about the same logic of not using AI, 
to learn. Then it's like, oh, well, then don't use a premium service like Frontend Masters or Pluralsight or LinkedIn Learning that does video and transcription and stuff like that. It has quizzes and things like that to learn how to code. But people do it. Oh, don't use the use the docs to learn how to code because back in the day, they just wrote code and like, if it worked, it worked, but they didn't did it. Somebody, like, or don't use a book. Like there's always something that came uh, before the thing that you're doing now that people use and people love. And plus, this is the one thing that will be able to work with you, right? There's nothing that says, hey, it can explain the code to you deeper instead of you, uh, you know, copy-paste the code, right? You can always ask for deeper explanation. Like, that's how I learned. Like, okay, what did that mean? Like, you know, I've learned more about WebAssembly in the past, like, year than I've done like my entire because I was like I don't have time to go and figure out which resources are good resources not now a chat GPT and you know I use barely as well right I can make the notebooks and I can make prompts and things like that and um I just go in there start starting my notebook and I start asking um training prompts and it starts you know doing information for me and I'm like oh snap I you know kind of have a whole web assembly um web assembly cookbook right here just uh, for me that I can use and learn things with right and I don't even use it professionally I just want to learn something new right just to see how would it feel if I leverage AI with a focus of learning something new having it explain something to me and then applying that knowledge right so like those as long as you're following those rules versus like I don't care what I'm learning I just want to you know copy pasta and move on you're going to be you know you're going to be good right it's never you know the backup camera didn't teach us that we didn't have to back up it just kept us from like craning our necks and getting neck spasms and stuff and you know not knowing you know where we are in space and accidentally swiping someone's car right like our cars have you know sensors and cameras and stuff all over no one says saying go get a you know tin bucket and figure out how to drive on that thing before you learn how to drive although they are doing some car simulation things at our local like driver school <laughs> and i'm like i kind of don't want my kids to learn how to you know drive on a video game like because you know it's not real life but <laughs> but like right, it's I better than what life. i had to do they just would put a yeah. video on and give you a fake steering wheel that you had to yes animate. i remember those days or <laughs> you know you're driving with your dad in the real car and they're just yelling at you all the time <laughs> like oh my god you're like you have no idea like you're driving and you're like i remember like i didn't like turn i didn't let go of the wheel to turn and my dad was like what are you doing i'm like I don't know. This is my first time. Why are you on me? I literally, my first time driving, I hit our house. Like, I pulled into the driveway <laughs> and I was, he told me, he kept telling me to ease on the brakes. So then when I pulled in the driveway, I was easing on the brakes. And uh, he was like, no, you're supposed to press the brakes hard. And now I was like, what? And I hit, like, bumped the house. And <laughs> I never forget the look on his face. <laughs> like, it's seared into my memory. It'd be the last, it's probably gonna be the last thing I see when I go. So, <laughs> my dad looking at me like, you can't believe you just hit the house. So, well, I agree with you. I, I do think that this is gonna be the differentiator. When we talked at the beginning of this conversation about how juniors and anybody can, can differentiate themselves from others, we're starting to learn what it means when someone delivers you something that very clearly came entirely out of generative AI. Now, that, I'm not saying that that's evil. I'm just saying the difference between somebody that just asks some a generative AI to produce a blog post for them versus someone that's using a generative AI many times to produce topic ideas or clean up a paragraph or to help with research or to test ideas or to find a different way to think of a subject 
those are the people that are going to produce amazing original content that was heavily augmented and much more rapidly produced because the AI assisted in those elements of it. And I think that's the thing for anybody that's new and is using these tools. Yeah, use them, learn how to use them, learn how to get value out of them. But yeah, don't stop at the obvious things. Give me a tweet, give me a way to reach out to somebody because over time, people that only do that will start to fade behind the people that learn where the value is that's generated from these tools and start to use that. And I think that's, you know, use it, uh, but, but keep pushing yourself, like you said, and like you were doing yourself to evolve beyond just put some stuff in, get a bunch of stuff out and start to realize where would this be valuable where I'm struggling? And, you know, I think that'll be very valuable to people. Yeah. Just focus on keeping, keeping focus on the human centric parts that you can control. Remember that this is still a machine and you have value that you're you're you have value that you're giving to the machine while the machine has value that's getting that you're that's being given to you so i i think that's how i view it closer as like i say i view it as a like co-pilot or like a co-worker right i'm giving value where it has weaknesses is like all right let's make this a little softer let's make it more human centric let's talk let's talk this through how will we explain this if you know to an absolute beginner someone who's an adult but a beginner we don't want to infantile infantize them but we also want the language to be in a manner where they you know don't feel intimidated because we know that once you start throwing a lot of you know tech jargon at absolute beginners they start feeling intimidated right so like how do we how do we make sure this is approachable, right? Let's look at that approach and then let's do a step above that, then a step above that. And then, you know, I'm always doing like, well, step and repeat. Like I am working with the AI. I'm not having the AI do the work for me, right? So. Well, great. I mean, I, I wish we could sit here and do this for three hours, but that's going to have to be it for <laughs> today. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to this Modern Web Podcast. Thank you, of course, to our guest, Jerome. As always, the conversation does not stop here. You can find Jerome on Twitter. I'm still not going to call it X at Jerome Hardaway, that's J-E-R-O-M-E-H-A-R-D-A-W-A-Y. And I will say that it is a good follow because it is hard to spend some time in Jerome's presence without feeling really hyped up to get some real stuff done. Uh, so definitely recommend. Um, and as uh, as for me, you can find me online at RoboCell. For the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. Thank you, of course, to our sponsors, CircleCI and This.Labs. And in conclusion, this.labs would like us to remind you that they are trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile. This.labs helps bridge the gap from business requirements to tech implementation. Whether you're modernizing legacy systems, ensuring sustainable application architecture, or seeking expert guidance, this.labs has the expertise to help. Discover more at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. Thanks, Jerome, again. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. See y'all later. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Friends for all of your friends and you.